bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks, the super simple cloud accounting software that's giving thousands of freelancers and small businesses the tools to save time billing and get paid faster. Try it free at freshbooks.com slash TWIP. And Pocket Shooters, the newest course to hit the TWIP school. It's all about mastering mobile photography. This course is priced at $147, but you can grab it today at the introductory price of just $97. Check it out now at twipschool.com. This is TWIP, episode 488, Making Copyright Great Again. In this episode, the Trump campaign lifts photos from Flickr without permission, Kodak enters the smartphone game, and Nikon goes multi-lens with a computational photography-based camera. It's Monday, October 24th, 2016, and this is TWIP. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Special treat for you today, the powerhouse duo, the dynamic duo of Jay and Verena Patel, or is it Verena and Jay Patel? It's uh, always Verena and Jay Patel. Let's get a flip it. Are on the show. Fantastic educators, landscape photographers, and just all around good people are here to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to try to keep it on the straight and narrow, but we tend to go off the rails whenever we get together and talk. But, but it's going to be a good show regardless. So, welcome, guys. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having us. It's always good to be here, Fred. Yeah, what's going on with you guys? Last time we talked, it's been a long time. Last time we talked, you guys were kicking butt with a with a course that you put out there and training people. What's what are you doing now? You're always up to something cool. Well, we've been to Iceland and Hawaii filming lessons for courses. We have a course that just came out um, on composition. We have some other stuff in the works that's coming out soon that Jay can talk about if he wants to. Um, And we've been doing little, you know, I mean, I think tomorrow we're going to be filming a little video in my backyard because it's so pretty right now with the fall leaves that we might as well use that and not travel halfway across the world for a change. To find some leaves. Yeah, I know. I think that when we were on the show last time, I think our course that we came out was our first course, which was filmed in Australia. Since then, mm-hmm. we've had 14 different courses come out. 14? Wow. Yes. What? That's well, cool. Uh, Congratulations. That's awesome. Well, there are eight of them is with us, and then I think seven are with our partners. Yeah. Very cool. Um, but, our um, awesome partners. Our, our awesome partners, partners are awesome. We also have taken visual wilderness to a whole new level. Now we're no longer just two of us. There's like 20 of us. We have wait, 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 back up, back up. What is visual wilderness? All right, so visual wilderness is our business site. Mm-hmm. Uh, so visual wilderness is where all our courses, all our blogs, all our free content, ebooks, all the educational products reside there. All yeah. our video courses, all the good stuff. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. And this is all landscape stuff, right? It's all This is all landscape yeah. and nature photography related. I love that. You guys have niched it down and just like burning a hole in landscape. And you guys do some fantastic landscape stuff. And it's the 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 interaction between you two is like the perfect yin yang. <laughs> <laughs> other you know <laughs> yeah well i mean that's like you know it's gravity you gotta have like just the right amount of Tug gravity of to stay in yeah. orbit right yeah, absolutely <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, so cool. So you guys are cur- you're kicking butt on that. You're traveling a lot, training and all that. What's what's coming up next? What's the besides the backyard? What's what's coming up? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, just the backyard. <laughs> yeah, that's no. I think uh, so. I'll talk about the next course. Uh, the next course that is coming out. We also have something called Infocus Deals, which you sort of know about, and but I don't know if your viewers know about it. Yeah, tell us. Is every six months we do a big landscape photography promotion with the world's best landscape photographers. We're talking about Ian Plant and Joseph Rosbach and uh, a bunch of other really well-known landscape photographers, Colby Brown. Um, and we put together a package of bundle, and we've been doing that for the last two years. Highly successful for us. Very good. And uh, this year's package comes out on Black Friday. Oh. So if anybody's interested, come and check out our site. Nice, nice. Those those package deals, like I was just, that's kind of like the five-day deal thing. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that cooler. I, just cooler. Oh <laughs> okay. Yeah, I participated in the five-day deal thing, and it's amazing how those things work and how you can move mountains in, with with a, a concerted, focused amount of effort over a short period of time. Right. And you, with good products in there, right? They're very like, good products. Yeah, because that's, yeah. that's the key. And it sounds like, I know you guys, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do anything less than that, but there are some people out there that put out these things that have, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, like, like Cracker Jack prizes and yes. lawn clippings. <laughs> And then yeah. you sell it, and then you know people essentially are ripping people off. So, but when you do it right, and then they take those kind of deals, take away from these really, really good, amazing deals like the one you guys are doing. So, well, I think, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's really cool. the key. I think once you know, once we started working with this group of photographers who were, you know, not only amazing photographers but also incredible instructors, to be able to pull everybody together, pool our resources, pool our skills and come away with these incredible collections that we could offer. It's just, it's kind of exciting, you know, to be able to, to offer all of this stuff that normally you'd be paying, you know, a fortune for, to be able to offer it at this ridiculously low price because we're all working together and because we're, you know, sharing resources, it it wouldn't work any other way. And so it's, it's just cool to be able to do that. And of course we get to sort of get to know these people a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, which is that's kind good. of awesome. So, yeah, that, and it's all it's it's weird because it's this this education is it's only growing in photography, and you know, over the years it just becomes easier and easier. Like mm-hmm. when I started a long time ago, it right. was education was asking other photographers. And granted, I was in the military, so I had access to resources there, but. Yeah. But generally, it was going to the library, trying stuff out, looking at a photo, and then trying to do it, making mistakes. And but now Wait, we that have, was we, back in the day, like yeah. that was right when cameras had been invented. So I'm <laughs> see, now you're gonna <laughs> go there. Idea. You're gonna go there. You're looking at my gray hair right here. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it was it was back in the Cretaceous period. Yes, it was. No, but, it's okay. I started with film too. Yes, right. I I do not miss film. I gotta tell you, I do not. People people romanticize like Doug K. He's like, yeah, I'm shooting film now and all that. Yeah. I get it. It's cool. It's romantic and it's mm-hmm. limiting and you know all that. But when I shot film, it was it was fine because that's all we had. But now we 
have better stuff. Yeah, we can see way more. I have to admit, though, I miss the dark room. I loved working in the dark room. I love. I miss know? the solitude of the dark room. Yeah, because yeah, when you yeah. go in there and you, the smells and the dark light and all that. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, for that pale, that experience. Pallor. Totally. <laughs> You put your radio, because I, I remember spending all day long in the dark room, you know, and I have my radio up there playing yep. cassettes, and you're, you know, processing and printing, and yep. you go out and your eyes have to adjust to the real, you know, the bright right. light and all that. But that's great. <laughs> you could still do that, Marina. Just go stand in the closet for a while. <laughs> all right. I'll be back in a minute. See you. <laughs> Bring some fixer and developer in there. <laughs> Sniff some weird chemicals. Uh, yeah. yeah. And one day, one day, maybe they'll come up with like a, a VR experience where you put on goggles <laughs> and pretend like you're developing film, and, you know, to get that whole nostalgia. Right. The red light. Okay. Yes. Well, speaking <laughs> hey, we of uh, speaking of red, yeah. how about how's that for uh, a segue? Uh, that was a pretty actually, that was a terrible segue, but that's, that's all right. Totally that's all right. I'm going to run with it, though. Speaking of red, story number one, and my camera's trying to add that focus. Uh, story number one is about, it's po- political. So yeah. for, let me preface this, and we wrap this in bacon before I put it out there. So the, we typically, on this weekend photo, shy away from some hot topic categories, and that's politics, sexual orientation, religion, you know, those kind of things where there is no one right answer for anything. (laughs) We tend to shy away from those because invariably you're going to piss off one segment of the population and no one's ever right. Right. And it also serves to be like, like troll flypaper. So (laughs) we tend to stay away from those. So you invited us on the show tonight and then chose this topic. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I can see that. I doused myself in gasoline and now I'm holding a match. (laughs) Ready? So, so story number one is, I mean, considering what is it? What's today? It's the 24th of October. We're just about two weeks away from the general election here in the United States where we vote for our next president. And if you have, if, if, only if you've been living under a rock do you not know the controversy that has been happening around this particular political season here in the U.S. So we're not going to talk about that and who, you know, partisanship and all that stuff. We're going to talk about something that's related to photography. So the Trump campaign, Donald Trump is the Republican nominee for president. Mm -hmm. Um, Apparently, according to a federal lawsuit that was brought by a UK-based photographer named David Kitos, they Mm -hmm. ripped off, the Trump campaign ripped off one of the copyright-protected photos that he had posted on Flickr. It's a photo of a bowl of Skittles, you know, the candy with the rainbow colors. Mm -hmm. And the Trump campaign allegedly used the picture online in advertising to highlight what the campaign called the Syrian refugee problem. So, hold on, Verena. Stay, <laughs> stay seated. Stay seated. I'm the smart one here. So we're not going to talk about the politics of that. We're going to talk about the legality <laughs> of what happened. So, so, so someone decides, okay, I want to illustrate my political agenda with one of your photos. Jay, I want to start with you. I want to illustrate my political agenda with one of your awesome, you know, Iceland photos. And it just happens to be online there. You're, you know, you don't have as much wealth as I do. So I'm just going to take it. And if you litigate against me, I'll, you know, I'll throw some lawyers at you and shut you up. Worst case, I'll give you a couple thousand dollars. It's over. But I'm going to go use it. What what do you say? What do you do? 
Well, I think this isn't just a political problem. I mean, you look at all the social media and a photographer is complaining, hey, people have ripped off our photos all the time, right? Yeah. So one of the best things that people can do, and I actually know a photographer whose name I won't really mention, but what he did was he actually took his entire photographic library, put it in uh, um, what they call federal copyright um, status, Mm-hmm. and then turn it over to one of these firms. And what the firms did was they actually went ahead and searched the Internet and said, how many people are using my photo? Well, mm-hmm. in a political season like today, if, if uh, a candidate is using a photo, it, it's a big deal, right? But there, are, what they found was hundreds of photographers, hundreds of photos were used, cropped, some resized, yeah. On things like lawyers' websites, on yeah. things like some other random websites, right? Yeah, and no judge would keep that in. He's like, come on, dude, you got to know better, right? Yeah, so what this company is doing is the company is saying, okay, so we, find, uh, we found these photographs. There are about 100, 150 of them being used all over the world. We're going to go into all of them. And we keep a percentage of that. Yeah, and, yeah. And this you is know a revenue what? stream. Yeah, it's a revenue, and so the guy, so the has it's become a revenue stream for him. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, I mean, I think I would find that kind of difficult. You know, this sort of having that as a revenue stream, it would just feel so, you know. But at the same yeah, no, time, yeah, yeah, fight for this stuff. You know, it's your stuff, though. I mean, I, yeah. I, it, it does feel stuff. blah. It does feel yucky. But at the same time, if someone is capitalizing on you. Yeah. And on, on your work, it feels yucky to have to go after them. But right. that's just like someone breaking in your house and stealing all your silverware. And then you're like, <laughs> exactly. you know what? I don't really want to call the cops, you know. <laughs> you call the right. cops, right? right. You- well, I, think it's, I think it's amplified by the fact that in this particular case, you brought it up. But this particular case, you know, it's being used by an incredibly, uh, shall we say, divisive candidate. See, I thought that was very diplomatic of me. Yeah, it's good. Uh, A very divisive candidate. And his message here is extremely divisive also yeah well it's, an, it's got he's got <laughs> negative connotations running through the campaign but you know it's it's kind of akin to him using music from all of these different artists yes. at the at the rallies right yeah without, yeah, permission. Right. without permission so it's the exact right. same right. thing and, and he's then the, the artists not what do the they only do? candidate doing this he's not yeah. the only person doing this this is absolutely rampant they're using songs you know artists are constantly saying hey you can't use my music for your campaign Right. You know, it, it happens all the time. And of course, it keeps coming up in the news this this election cycle just because this election cycle has been so completely bizarre. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I do think I do think you got to you have to stand up and you have to, you know, reach out to these people who are using the images inappropriately and let them know that they're doing it. Ask them to cease and desist. And if they want, well, can I you? do think you need to pursue it. Like, how can you, though? Like, I don't know. I you, you, I'm not a lawyer, obviously. Neither, no, <laughs> neither of us are lawyers. But looking at like a campaign like the Trump campaign, they've got a lot of money. I mean, Trump had a lot of money before he even started campaigning. Now he's got campaign. You know, there's more money than than we can fathom, right? Even though he's, they say that he has less than his opponent, but even that less is more than we have any idea of. You know, but 
Yeah, so you look at that, and then then you look at all these other artists, these big name artists like the Rolling Stones and all these guys that are saying, "Hey, stop using our stuff." You're a little photographer that's taking pictures of leaves in your backyard, and he uses one. He uses pictures of multicolored leaves to represent different races in a negative way, and you see your image on TV in a, in a campaign ad. What what is like? Can you? But like, can you even go after him? Like, it's, it just seems like a, a a wall, not to use the term, but it seems like a wall that's too high to climb. Like, is it even worth your time to go after him? And, you know, when he could just blink his eye and throw some of his junior lawyers on it to get rid of you. So I think that the, I had, I had heard a good analogy from one of my photographer friends who says that uh, look at the return or look at the, the amount of money you can actually get. So let's say some person with 20 people on their website that visits them a month is using your photo, right? You go after them and the return is probably going to be like worthless. Maybe the judge will reward you 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, when you have an audience of 60 million viewers on a debate or your website is getting hundreds of millions of hits in, in between now and the election period, that's worth a lot of money. And yeah. if you go in the court of law the right way, saying maybe a modest sum of one cent per view can net you a pretty good return. And yeah. so my my recommendation to my recommendation to it would be to look at the net investment that you can make and the way person is using this. The more exposure you have, the more mm. you're entitled for compensation. I would go after it. Yeah, but yeah. I can't go after it on my own. I need some big name lawyers to say, "Here, guys, help." Yeah, contact. <clears throat> excuse me. Contact Jack <clears throat> Jack Resnicki and Ed Greenberg. So they've been on the show, and they're cool. they actually wrote a book called The Copyright Zone, and they dive into your the, your legal rights and all that stuff. And yeah, I'm sure Ed would uh, would dive into that if it's a you know he so, spills. So- Trump Tower dollars involved with it, you know. So let me ask a question to your viewers, which is sort of related, but not quite as related. So I, I read an article this morning about Obama complaining about, and it's political, but it's photography related. So I'm going to ask the question photography related. Sure. About using prop photos for campaign. So, so the le- yeah. So let's suppose that you are a celebrity, and somebody comes up and says, "Oh, the famous Frederick Van Johnson. I know him. I'm going to come up there. I'm going to take photos with Fred, holding my hand or uh, whatever. Um, and then I'm going to go ahead and use that photo to make money or to <clears throat> to to benefit in a political way or or some sort of financial way. Mm. Is that mm-hmm. ethical?" Yeah, taken in a public place with a with a celebrity, and then you want to but, use their the use their likeness is, to sell yeah, something else. Yeah, but the else. context is totally different. Like, so yeah. I, I can say because I'm on Twip, I'm so famous, so I can use Fred's likeness to sell all my video courses. Yes, you can do that. Yeah. Is that? I, I just read that as permission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but before I, when I edit the show, it's going to have a disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, but we've been recording too, so we're just going to pull out. We're going to pull out 
like one word here and one word here. It's gonna be yeah. like this is. <laughs> I hereby amazing. endorse your product. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks. I made it easier. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, that's that's a good question, Jay. But I I don't know. Like the again, not a lawyer, but if that was to happen, like say you're walking down the street and. Uh, there's a celebrity there. Like I'm walking on the street. There's a celebrity there, and I do a shot of the celebrity, and I have a Twip T-shirt on, and I do. I say, "Hey, can I get a shot with you?" And they say, "Yeah, sure, why not?" And I do a shot, and it's got this week in a photo on there, and it's with some famous person. Can I use that? Is that tantamount to an endorsement of this week in photo from that person? And I have, you know, I'm selling advertising. We have courses in the school, all that stuff. Does, you know, can I use that? I would say yes, because they agreed to the photo and I'm in the photo. But I, and as long as I don't explicitly say celebrity X, you know, thinks Endorses. Twip is awesome. Yeah, there's no endorsement. Yeah, so, so I think that gets into more of an interesting legal question than just yeah. a total. Look, you know, I, I think there's something else here, too. And I think that is that there is one Donald Trump and there are millions of photographers. Mm-hmm. So. Look, you have one guy who stands up and says, hey, you use my photo. That's not cool. Trump, sure, he can he can take that guy down. But if you have millions of photographers who say, look, this is not right. It's not OK to do. It's not acceptable. And we're not going to take it. If everybody, if all of us can join together and speak up, it doesn't mean we have to all sue Donald Trump. I don't, I don't think yeah. that's going to work yeah. anyway. But, you know, if we can all speak up, speak up for each other, speak up for our own stuff. You know, that I think that's where things start to change because it it can't change if you only have the one guy waving his hands in the middle of the street saying this is wrong. Right. You mean you mean we should all speak up on individual cases, not not like specifically let's get behind this guy that's trying to get money out of the Trump campaign. You're saying you know, as it as it happens, we shouldn't just let it go. We should. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we need to speak up and we need to stand up behind people who are saying, you know, even if it is specifically this one photo, the more people who share uh, an article or or share information about it and say, hey, this isn't fair, this isn't right, you know, it starts to spread. That's that's mm-hmm. how you know the civil rights movement happened that's how women got the vote that that's how this works and yeah those are really big things and maybe using our photos for a, a an ad on or or a dumb post on your facebook page is not the same thing of course it's not it's nowhere near that huge but you know what i think that's how you make a difference you get lots Marina, of, what, lots what of you're talking about is <clears throat> you're basically just talking about democracy, right? <laughs> so I am talking about the, whole, de- the United We Stand, the, <laughs> right. the whole idea of United We Stand. But I think right. Marina's, Marina's idea is great because you consider a context of social media. Like, if yeah. we were to energize our social media following and say, here's uh, something which is which is not, um, not right, right? Mm-hmm. So between us, we have a couple of million social media followers. Now, you take that social media following and you put a visual wilderness team around it, the, the social media following goes up into 50, 60 million. Yeah. And then right. you have 50 or 60 million people who are mad because they read this one post and it spreads. It, you know, and that's what changes things because you have voices from all over the place and you have the big guy up there sitting on his golden throne, which I'm pretty sure is just what he has in you know, every room of his house. And he goes, oh, you know what? They don't like this. I should probably stop. And and granted, it's Trump. He probably won't stop. But you know what? 
somebody will. A lot of people will. There are always going to be yeah. crazy outliers. But yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. It's a, it's an unfortunate situation, though. You know, I this 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 photographer David Kitos that got ripped off. You know, you're granted it was a, is a relatively innocuous shot. You know, of some skittles, but it's still your shot, right? And it's still being used to, who knows what his, I mean, he's UK based, so, you know, he really has no bearing on our elections, you know, unless you're in Russia or something, but he's like, (laughs) has no bearing bearing on our elections, but the, but it's still his stuff, right? And so if he's, if, if his mindset is, you know, this whole Syrian refugee problem, you know, I don't want some person that I don't believe in using this and they use it litigate right absolutely litigate absolutely litigate even if nothing comes of it litigate it'll make you sleep better at night. So. <laughs> uh, craziness craziness oh well All interesting right. craziness though we got through that story guys we, we did got... and you know good, good. The, i don't i don't think we're in too much trouble but we'll wait till tomorrow or until you release the show i guess and we'll see yes. what, <laughs> yes. yeah. what our inboxes look like yeah i, I'm I gonna... think we we kept our mouths pretty pretty well Bipartisan, mm-hmm. yeah. Bipartisan, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I may yeah. not have. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. All right, let's digress for just a second before I let you off the hook on this stuff. Uh-oh, I, now we're going to digress. Even before you throw a question. <laughs> no, but this is okay, this is appropriate. So, um, <laughs> sure. But, but, yeah, as if nothing else was. So I'm I'm moving, and I mentioned this on the last episode that we recorded, that I'm moving TWIP to being a live show. So we're going to start streaming live. No. Yes. We're not doing it now. Don't worry. Uh, but yeah, we're going to start streaming live and, and taking comments during the show. So in a conversation like this, you can see how there'd be lots of audience interaction oh, right. happening that we could then riff off of. But it's interesting, especially in the context of this this political season, I've been watching a lot of like you know television and coverage of of the race just to not so much to be, yeah I'm interested in the race obviously but I'm looking at it also to see how they're doing this live switching and you know what what is the standard you know what's the standard for doing interviews and the split screen and the lower thirds and you know pacing and what parts are scripted what parts aren't scripted so I'm watching it from that standpoint and you know one of the things that hit me is it, to the tools that we have today we could do everything they do Right, just pretty much everything they do, we I can do it from my Mac here. In some cases, from right. my phone if I wanted to. Right, so, isn't that crazy? It's crazy <laughs> that you can do that now, and you know, because I remember uh, what years ago when we first started doing Twip, or when I when I took over Twip, like Leo Laporte and the Twit, you know, the This Week in Tech world, mm-hmm. that universe over there. Leo has giant studios and cameras, camera operators <laughs> right. and people pressing buttons and all that. And I'm, and I'm this guy, we're doing it through Hangouts, right? So I'm like, right. oh, yeah, we can never get close to that. But now, looking at where technology has come to with the tools, you can absolutely get, I mean, you're, Leo's polished, right? So he's sure. got one toe into television. He's a veteran. No one's ever going to touch him. But you can get <laughs> kind of in that area with off-the-rack tools these days. But yeah. right? Not only that, that but yeah. you, think, you take it one step further is broadcast TV, right? So Trump yeah. TV, let's, let's talk about it. So I think yeah. one of the speculations I've heard about saying that, hey, if you want to start a new TV channel now, or even a new magazine now, 
you don't need a press. You don't need you don't need a TV studio. Why don't you just take the live stream that you were talking about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put it up on a YouTube channel or put it up on Facebook and say my entire TV broadcast and everything is now based upon two social media platforms, YouTube yes. and Facebook. And yeah. a lot of the comedians like a few years ago they, they did this on their own. They, they have their own shows, and they record it, put it up on YouTube. And they don't need a studio or, or a network to promote it. Yeah. And yeah. so, so the, the, there's a, a paradigm shift coming in. The totally. Way. I think it's like, it's like literally, literally as I started moving in this vein, you know how when you start, you get your brain around <laughs> something, you start researching and getting deeper yeah. and deeper. And so I'm in that, I'm still in that mode. So I'm in the researching and studying mode, and one of the things that, I, that popped up, I don't know if it was timing or the universe or whatever, but Facebook, what was it, like two weeks ago, maybe, or maybe less, two weeks or so ago as we record this mid, towards the end of October, they announced 24-hour, you can do a 24-hour stream Yes, on Facebook. I saw that. Yes. So, so that's one piece. So the broadcast piece is done. Right. So the production piece on the front end... So there's software out there. There's some free software as well as paid software. One that I'm playing with is called Wirecast. Mm-hmm. So you can actually, it has this playlist function in it. So not only can you do a live show, like I could be switching right now and throwing right, up and right. you know, all this stuff. I could be doing that right now if I wanted to. But then the file that we finished with, I could put it on another machine. Like I'm setting up a Mac Mini in the corner over there. Mm-hmm. I could put that file on another machine running Wirecast into a playlist that is streaming continuously to Facebook. And that, that's a network. Yep, <laughs> that is a network. Yeah. And, and, and you can just do it in your living room or yes. the office. Brave new world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so cool. I love this. You know, I love yeah. living in this, this era of crazy change like this happening all the time. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, every morning you wake up and you're like, ooh, what do we have now, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when do I get my self-driving car? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. This is cool the stuff. only thing that I would do, like, when I'm moving, that's like the holy grail. Once every, we're doing the live stream and it's working and, you yeah. know, it gets archived off, it goes to the server and gets put into rotation. That's where things are going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I'm trying to do it because I want to document it because I want to show people how we did it. Cool. And then, then the, uh, the, the only, I think the thing that is going to be, the, the the biggest revenue suck, you know, aside from just buying the software to do it and the computers and all that, is the internet connection. So right now I have a I have an internet connection that's <laughs> running the entire house. Yeah, my whole house is running is like my thermostats, the <laughs> Apple TVs, everything. You know, everything is using one internet connection. So I would have to buy a second internet connection and dedicate it to the right. to the Twip stream, right. which is not that big a deal. No, you know, it is, under hundred bucks a month. I mean, from a Monthly fee perspective, it's not going to be that much. No, yeah. no, so. and then it's all dedicated to that one machine. It just runs, and everybody's happy. So. Yeah. So I think you guys should start, you know, Patel TV and. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Yeah, with well, cross but promotion. But I'll tell you what, the, the the Visual Wilderness. When we did our first show in 2013, there the Visual Wilderness was just a skeleton. I don't know mm-hmm. if people know that. It's just it was just there was nothing. It was just. We had, Raina had started writing this blog content for such a long time, and, I, and she'd been doing it. So we actually moved all that blog content and sort of evolved 
now we have like 30,000 subscribers on our newsletter. Nice. We it took have me a while magazine. To come around to sharing that. I have to admit, and I was we like, sell our video courses. I don't want to let Visual Wilderness use that. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Let go, let go. Yeah, so it's it, it has sort of morphed. Her her blog contest has sort of morphed into almost like a publication site that has content from several photographers. Yeah, that is that is brilliant. I love it. All right, let's let's jump off of that. That was a complete digression away from that, that one story. Yes. All right, guys, let's take, we're going to take a quick break. Speaking of sponsors, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some new things coming out of Kodak. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three projects. You're prepping for a photo shoot later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to life as a freelance photographer. Challenging, yes, but our friends at FreshBooks believe the rewards are so worth it. With freelancers and small business owners in mind, FreshBooks has announced the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for our needs, photographers. FreshBooks has created a super-intuitive tool that makes it easy to create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. You can easily customize your invoice with your logo, color scheme, or any image that reflects your brand. You'll be able to see what invoices have been sent, viewed, and paid, as well as overdue and outstanding invoice totals. You can even chat with your client regarding an invoice once they receive it. The modern and simplified dashboard works as the hub of your business, answering the most important question— how is my business doing? You'll have quick access to outstanding balances, spending, total profit, and accounting reports like tax summary and profit and loss. Tracking expenses is as easy as taking a photo of your receipt and using the FreshBooks iOS app. You can track expenses by vendor and by category. And time tracking makes it easier to bill for time by client and by specific projects. You can easily start your timer and track your time to the minute. And when it comes time to create an invoice, you'll know what you did and when you did it. So get ready for the simplest way to be more productive and organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to the TWIP audience. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Start your 30-day free trial today. And we thank FreshBooks for supporting this episode of This Week in Photo. All right, we are back. Story number two is comes to us from The Verge. So Kodak has announced a new smartphone. They're jumping into the smartphone game right on the heels of Google with the Pixel and their smartphone, who says it's the best camera ever made on any smartphone. Um, Apple, a couple weeks ago, launched the iPhone 7 family of cameras, and people are going crazy over and now Kodak is jumping into the game. So this is, uh, they announced this at, at CES. It was their first phone called, well, their first phone was called the IM5. It was an Android handset. Uh, but now there's a company called Bullet, B-U-L-L-I-T-T. They unveiled a camera that they made in cooperation with Kodak called the Ektra, E-K-T-R-A. It's a vintage looking handset with a souped up camera that's modeled after the 1941 Kodak of the same name. So this is interesting. So have you guys seen this 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 camera slash phone? Yeah. What do you what yeah. do you think of it, Verena? You know what? It's it's kind of cool looking. It's you know you say it looks vintage. Yeah. Okay. 
Vintage is a stretch. It looks like... Uh, it's got leather on it. Come on, that's vintage. With, you know, and then you turn it around to the back. Yeah, okay, so what you're showing on the screen there, that's what it looks like on the back. Now, come on, show the other side. <laughs> okay, well, oh, there's a giant lens right? sticking there's out. Yeah, so, so, and it's, yeah, it does look kind of vintage, and then you turn it around, and it's definitely not vintage, right? I mean, Yeah, it's a phone. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's a phone. Um, and it's cool. It's a neat idea, I think. You know, I, I, I love the little leather case. It's kind of adorable. It's, it's, it is. It kind of harkens back to those gorgeous little cases they used to make for cameras. My dad has one of those. It's, it's beautiful. It's falling apart, but it's, you know, it's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. look at that little guy. He's kind of cute, right? Yeah, that's kind of cool. I kind of like it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. who knows what the specs of this thing are, but, I mean, right. it, it comes down to two things. You know, it... it is like is this for fashion and are you making a statement that i'm a photographer or do you want to get some serious land like in the case of you guys do you want to get some serious landscape photography done and this could right. do the job so you're going to invest in it or do you just want you want to put this on your waist with the leather case on it when you go out to a party to you know to show off i don't know jay what do you, what do you think jay well i um i think that um Personally, if you look at the article, I actually read the article, and it says that it is not competing with Google Pixel or iPhone 7 on picture quality. And if that's yeah, the I case, that. it, I mean, you, you look at the thing, it looks like a camera, and if a camera cannot compete with the leading products that are out there, essentially they're going for somebody who has a nostalgia for old Kodak camera. And the person who's probably going to buy this is not the person who wants to go after iPhone or latest technology, but is, oh, I miss my darkroom or I miss my Kodak camera. Who, that is the market they're like, probably targeting. You know, not, not to put a fine point on it, but that, you know, that, that audience, I would say, is probably shrinking over yeah. time. You know, I don't I, think like, Kids it. today are like, Kodak? What's a, what's a Kodak? I don't know. What is no, that? No, I really don't. I think... I think Jay, you're just you're, that's not quite it. I think what it is is that they're they're going after this the the fad of vintage. You know, it's it's not about the people who were actually alive back then. It's about the people who kind of you know want to sort of want to relive that a little bit. You know, I mean, Hipsters. you have all of these filters and stuff, and and they all make your images look vintage and whatever. That's what it's about. It, it has nothing to do with the old guy who used to work in the dark room. You know, and I am talking about you, Fred. That's okay. <laughs> I, I resemble that really remark. Like the same age, you know? <laughs> I did not say that, Fred. I'm the nice one. Okay, so that's us, okay. us old people. Uh -huh. Us old people. Speak it's not for yourself. Us. Speak for yourself. Hey. <laughs> not, not, not to, you know, not to brag, but, you know, certain people with a lot of melanin in their skin, Jay, we... We age a little slower totally than some other people. I totally, I'm married to her now, so beep this thing out, but totally agree. Melanin for the win, Verena. Sorry. All right. We may be the same age. We may be the same age, but it's a different quality of paint job that our cars have. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you got a better paint job. All right. So, so. I agree with Verena on this that um, I don't think it is necessarily the age related, but it's it's more like the Harley effect that um, uh, yeah. you know there are always people who would say yeah that that bike that looks old or or there is always um, there's a car show that occurs like uh, maybe a few miles from my house every Tuesday and people bring their old cars out 
I don't think it's a growing market, but the market will be steady and it will be there. Yeah. And the nostalgia yeah. that Verena talked about is, is going to attract buyers for this. I want us to get to a point where, like, right now it's like we have one phone in our life. It's like our droid, right? Our phones, our, uh, our entire life is in the phone, right? right. So, right. But it's one phone, and you have to, like, okay, this is my phone. If I lose it, my stuff's in the cloud. i got to go buy another phone and sink its soul back into this phone. Like, I want to, it'd be great to get to a point where phones were more like computers, because I have multiple computers, and I move between them freely depending right. on what I'm doing, like my laptop or the desktop or whatever. Why I want my phone to be like that, too, where its shell doesn't matter and the brain can be wherever I happen to log in. So a phone like this would make more sense to me. Or like a normal day, I'm going to carry my iPhone around. But, hey, I want to go out and I'm putting on my, my snazzy clothes, you know, to go out tonight. Verena, my, my top hat and cane. I'm going out yes. tonight. And yes. so, I thought that's what you wear around the house. <laughs> you don't want to know about that. <laughs> top hat, cane, high heels, you know. Oh, but, <laughs> ruffle collar. Ruffle, yeah, a little, a little, little collar on. Um, but wouldn't that be cool, though, to be able to, like, then you could say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my Ektar with me tonight, and it's mm-hmm. the same stuff that's in your iPhone. You know, yeah. just... Yeah. One day, one day we'll get to that. I don't right. know. Would you one buy day, this, Verena? Would Would you would buy I this buy thing? It? Yeah, I probably wouldn't. Um, I probably wouldn't because you know what? The fact is, my iPhone takes good enough photo, better photos. Uh, I have how many cameras in my bag? Right, you know, right, right. Up there. I just, I just don't need it. But, but it's kind of fun. I think you know. I think people enjoy it, and I think you know. There's something else that kind of stands out to me. Look, this is a. This is a 21 megapixel camera. It has a 2.0 aperture. I'm reading this straight from the, you know, from the article. Mm-hmm. Uh, three gigs of RAM, 32 gigs of memory, blah blah blah. But you know what it does? It sends the photos. You can actually take the photos and then send them off and have them printed straight from the phone. You don't have to put them on your computer. You don't have to do anything else. And that simple little technology, that simple, you know. Take the photo, print the photo, have it delivered. Yeah, most people are still just uploading to Facebook and posting it there. But you know what? We do want those photos of our kids. We want to be able to, you know, have them and and give them to our parents who don't have phones or, you know, whoever it is that you can't send it to. I think that's something that's kind of useful. And, And here's the thing, though. That little technology is so simple. It's certainly not, you know... It's not ubiquitous, but it's easy and anybody can do it. And it's starting to show up in other, you know. But but, they, but what they're talking about is you shoot it, it goes off somewhere, and then it shows up a couple of days later in the mail. Right? Yeah, it's delivered to you in the yellow Kodak envelope. <laughs> but what I would argue is, you know, much like handwritten letters for a lot of people today, they're like, what? Mail? Are you kidding me? Because because <laughs> no, you can true. go buy, for a couple hundred dollars, you could go buy the Fuji SP1 or SP2 or whatever, yeah. that little mm-hmm. little printer, throw that in your bags, battery-powered, and shoot and print from your phone, from your camera, whatever, and yeah. hand, hand prints out within seconds or minutes of shooting the image instead of waiting for the That's mailman true. to show up. Right? It's true. And you know what? This phone is selling for like four hundred, or sorry, $540 U.S., um, to have to buy that little uh, little printer as well might be a little steep for most people. In fact, I think the, the phone itself might be a bit steep for most people. So, yeah. On yeah. the other hand, how yeah. much are we spending on our iPhones? So, 
you know, there it is. But that's a known quantity, and it's not a version one. That's, that was, sure. that's the same ding that, that the Google Pixel got. It's, it looks great. Specs are awesome. People And it it's, looks like a great phone for Android users. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. going to make people switch from iPhone to Android, but right. it, I think it represents state-of-the-art of non-exploding Android phones. Right. right, now. right. <laughs> so, right. right. But, 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 but as far as the non-exploding I, ones go, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But, but you look at this. I mean, I look at the Pixel versus that thing. If I had to make a decision on an Android phone, I would probably spend that money on a Pixel, you know, unless something, I don't know, I don't know what the, the compelling reason is for me to go get that one beyond, it, I mean, it, granted, the whole argument would change if it had the ability to let me just switch between phones easily, then, you know, it's a different kind of conversation. It's, it's more like a different pair of sunglasses, you know, or shoes. But as long as I have one phone that to rule them all, that's a lot of, that's a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a lot to ask for me to take that thing. And then it's got the big bump on it for the lens and all that. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing though, you know, you're talking about, uh, megapixels, right? You're, you're going to pay more for more megapixels. At what point are more megapixels useless to most people? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not talking about your professional photographers, but 21 megapixels, <laughs> that's pretty solid. That, no, I mean, how much bigger does it need to be? You know, I get that all right. the time. No, I'm kidding. So. <laughs> <laughs> really? I can, I will go really? and I had my phone has 21 megapixels. I thought explode. the Trump <laughs> thing was going to be a problem. You know what? We cannot take you anywhere, Fred. <laughs> hey, I didn't say anything. You're the one that made those inferences. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. Put it on me. All right. All right. So that's a good segue, though. So talking about the whole megapixel race and that, I mean, we saw it went from remember it went from megapixels. That was the thing that was everyone was marketing against. And then it went to uh, low light sensitivity. High ISO. High ISO. And then now this next story, this is a perfect segue into this next story. Number three is about Nikon filing a patent for a multi aperture computational camera. So much like we saw with the light L16 camera where it's yeah. got all those lenses on there, then it takes photos and does math to make one great photo from all. And like iPhone 7 with its dual lenses so that it can take one photo and simulate bokeh, you know, based on the, the, the math between the two Im- images, is multi-lens computational photography the next thing that these cameras are going to start differentiating themselves on? What do you think? I don't know. Nikon Jay? thinks it is. Yeah, go ahead. Verena, what do you think? So, no, that's okay. Go ahead, Jake. Um, so I think Nikon thinks it is, but I think there are two computational advances that are lagging. I think we've, we've come to the point where high ISO capabilities, at least for DSLR, are very, very good. I mean, you can take camera and photos in almost like darkness. With yeah. with a with a incense nowadays we have cameras that do that, totally. but what is lacking I think is the thinness of if you look at the Nikon multi camera one of the things I noticed about it is it's really thin, mm-hmm. and what what it means is that to package something like this in a phone requires you to be really thin, so the two two advances we will see going forward is this multi lens camera, and I think, and this is just my opinion, is we'll see a multi-sensor camera because Mm, there is no reason why you cannot have two different kinds of sensor, each with a different silicon doping, 
um, to capture lights at either higher sensitivity or lower sensitivity. That's and, actually what this is, Jay. It's four different sensors paired with four different lenses. So I didn't. So it's, 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 it's essentially four cameras in one body, yep. wired together with 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 really fast microprocessors that do the yep. computation on the back end. But I, what I didn't realize from the article, or at least the patent doesn't talk about, is what is the sensitivity of each sensor? If mm-hmm. they're all the same, then essentially the differentiating factor is the lens. So mm-hmm. you're saying, Jay, you get you have one sensor that's really good at low light, so it's going to get all the shadows and all that. You have another one that's really good at detail or whatever. So it's good. so you have different sensors that do different things, and then it does the math to pull up, pull all that data together to do Correct. the right so thing. So let's say you have one sensor with larger pixels that can capture mm-hmm. enormous amount of details at low light. Um, Fuji had an experimental camera, or even one on the market a long time ago. Um, but never really went on and caught on very well. But I think technology like this, where you have multiple lenses, multiple sensors, that can not just, I mean, a lot of people are focusing on the fact that, oh, you can have selective focus, you can crop, you can zoom, panoramas. That's all very nice. Uh, Even 3D, you can make 3D images out of this. But what would be interesting for a real-life person who's trying to capture a wedding photo um, or their daughter on the stage is to have a sensor which can capture awesome images in low light and put it together, or multiple sensors that can do that, put it together. Yeah, it's interesting though. So, so this, I look at these kinds of technologies, and it and it it reminds me of like the far end of the spectrum in terms of technology. You know, when you start getting into computational photography, it's you're you're taking your hands further and further away from control over the image and right. handing it over. To right. the computer, you still make decisions like where you're standing, I guess. But you know, the, <laughs> the the camera is making all, or the the computer and the lenses, they're making all the decisions on how to get the best image out of that. And I'm, I'm lukewarm on that. I mean, is that is that good because it's going to enable a new generation of photographers to take images that were not before possible, or is it bad because you know where where it's kind of like. You know, if you don't, if you never driven a stick shift, you really don't understand how the the gear transmission system works and feels in a car because you only press the gas to go and the brake to stop. You don't know how to shift gears and throw it in neutral. You know, you don't have that level of control. Verena, what do, what know, do you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll bite. You know, here's the thing: when when digital photography came along, uh, all the film photographers said oh, this is going to kill photography because people won't understand how film is developed in the darkroom and how all that works. And you know what? I I worked in the darkroom, and I can safely say, at least from my own perspective, that no, photography is still photography, even though I use a digital camera. It's still the art behind it. It's still the, the imagination behind it. It's still the experience of getting out there, finding the shot, exploring the location, you know, playing with your camera and getting to know it and and. It's sort of the challenge of new gear, the challenge of a new idea or a new photo. I think there's so much more to photography than whatever the little box is that you're handing it, holding in your hand. It's not about the buttons or the lenses or the glass. Yes, that's cool stuff. And I, I admit I have more of it than I probably need and I love it more than I should. But you know what? It, it's, it goes w- way beyond that. And, and I really believe that you can hold any camera in your hands, but if you can't see in your own mind what you're trying to create, it doesn't matter what your camera's like. 
You know, it's right. still going to be the guy behind the camera that makes the photo. That's true. That is true. But going back to my analogy of the car, mm-hmm. yeah, it, like it, you're you're essentially saying, you know, maybe cars are a bad analogy, but I'm going to stick with it. So you're <laughs> like getting getting from point A to point B, uh-huh. the the most efficient way possible. Our cars today can do that. Teslas, you know, right. Priuses, Pri, right. whatever, you know. Pri- <laughs> <laughs> They can get us from point A to point B in comfort. You know, I was driving my car the other day, and it just struck me. I was like, okay, I'm driving in this thing that my phone, a smartphone, which is essentially a supercomputer, is connected to through Bluetooth and Mm -hmm. playing music that it is streaming from the Internet through wirelessly, again, through my system, and I'm listening to it, all the while communicating with satellites and guiding me to my destination, telling me what obstacles are on the road with crowdsourced information. And, you know, all this stuff is going on at once. And I'm just enjoying the ride, you know. And it, mm-hmm. and it, it, it struck me that I didn't care about any of that stuff. It just seemed second nature. It's like, you know what, I need to get to that place right now. Yeah, I'm listening to music. I'm going to play my music. But, you know, I just care about getting to that place. It became second nature. I got to my destination safely on time. Everybody's happy. With cameras, it's a similar thing. When when technology gets to a level like with the light camera and this Nikon camera and all that, where it doesn't matter, right? Where it's just like it's it's second nature. Of course, they can do all this stuff. Of course, I can focus later. You know, yeah. of course, I can do this. You know, then it it will hopefully it will expose a whole new world of photography or creativity that was that we can't even think about right now because mm-hmm. we're encumbered by this other stuff and i'm like that's why i say i'm on the fence because i'm old school in terms of like we're talking about the dark school the dark room stuff like i feel like every photographer should know like intrinsically what f-stop shutter speed hyperfocal distance you know all that stuff you should know that stuff as like at your dna level in order to call yourself a photographer right. <laughs> But it's going away. It's not like right. it's like saying, well, you know, your dad in the 50s or 40s would say, well, in order to drive a car, you need to know how to change your oil. You need to know how to change the transmission fluid and right. pump your own gas. No one does that anymore. Right. right. So no. but they're still drivers. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think? I mean, is I, it? I think that there are two aspects to photography. Right. One aspect is um, you're taking a car analogy is you have a destination in mind and your whole goal is to get to the destination. So mm-hmm. let's take that analogy to photography. Uh, my whole goal is to capture my daughter's moments on the stage. Mm-hmm. Now, would I be fooling around with hyperfocal distance and all kinds of stuff on the stage? Probably not. I just want to grab the photo while she's performing on the stage, right? Mm-hmm. In that case, all this technology automation that will actually create a near-perfect image for you becomes incredibly useful. Now, on the other hand, Let's suppose that you really, really enjoy driving experience where you like the control, you like the creativity, you like to go out and drive to Yosemite where you can just feel the breeze. Or you're in Hawaii and you want to drive in an open Jeep uh, with just hair blowing up, or if you have any hair. (laughs) Nice, nice big hair, yeah, nice. (laughs) I like the wind in your face. <laughs> With the but, wind on my scalp, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly the same. So if you, if you take that analogy and say, I'm doing this for the experience, I'm doing it for art, I'm doing it for creativity, I'm doing it for X, other than 
just that final destination. Yeah. So if you consider doing it for experience, you will always have people like you and me and Marina that would say, hey, I really like to pick up the camera and figure out what the f-stop is or the hyperfocal distance is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. They're not going to quit selling the cameras, you know, that, yeah. well, they're going to quit selling the ones we're using now. But, you know, there will there will still be the option to purchase other cameras. It's not just going to be like, sorry, this is your only option now, Fred. You can't right. shoot anything else. Yeah, it's, it's always just a push slope. A it's a, it's a <laughs> right. sine wave curve. Yeah. Right. And but then you've it's... got your manual mode versus auto mode. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I just, I, here's the thing. I think it opens it up to people who might not have felt like they could do it before. I have so many, you know, I stand there in the audience and Jay's talking about watching our kids on stage. You know, you're, you're standing there or sitting there in the audience, you're watching your kid on stage and there are a hundred people in the audience holding up their phones, trying to take a picture of their kid. And you know that nobody else in that room is getting a good photo of that, of their kid. So here I am like, Oh, we know that kid. I should take some pictures of him so I can send that to his mom. And I should take some pictures of that kid. You know, wouldn't it be nice though, if everybody in that room could actually get a really great photo of their kid on that stage. Because it's not just about us crazy landscape photographers who like to spend all our time out in crazy remote places and, you know, starve ourselves to death and and freeze ourselves to death and (laughs) blah, 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 whatever it is. You know, it's not just about that. It's about, yeah, I think, you know, and and of course you got to think about Nikon and who they're marketing to. They're not marketing to you and me, not really. Mm. They're marketing to that mom in the auditorium trying to take a picture of her kid on the stage in terrible lighting. Because yeah. you know but how the, many the, of that that person there are? Millions and millions of that guy and a few hundred of us. But you think about that. I think about, I think about if, that's, if you look at it from, through that lens, right? It's if you're looking at it from, okay, we're going to enable people to get better photos no matter what from, from this camera so they can get the picture of their kid in the recital and not have to worry about it. Um, Apple and Google and these other companies, Samsung, etc., are coming out with these highly capable phones that get better and better every single year, and they're ubiquitous, right? So if you have to carry one thing with you, you're going to carry your phone, typically. So if the phone, if so, then I look at it from a marketing standpoint. Okay, Nikon, you're doubling down on this light. You're coming out with this brand new camera. Who's going to want that camera? You know, I'm curious. I'm not saying that no one will, but I'm saying who's going to want that if you're on this, on this parallel path with Apple, who has more money than some small countries, and you know, Google, who also has more money than some small countries. They're building and doubling down on mobile photography because clearly there's a lot of money in that, and that's a main driver for people upgrading to the next phone. So they're going to continue to make these things better. We're in 20, late 2016 now, in 2020, aside from being in another election season, in, <laughs> 20, <laughs> in 2020, these, what will the cameras look like, right? I mean, will we be having the same conversation? No, but you Fred, know, provided you have to, the you still to remember here. that that technology, like you consider the technology in the camera today, that that's yeah. little small sensor, small lens, right? That started when Kodak started making DSC looking cameras with like one megapixel camera that looked oh, like I had one of that. Yeah, bigger I had one than, of those. Yeah. And so the migration of so all, all technology, it's easier to put a technology together if the package is big. 
right? Because yeah, you don't have to yeah. deal with all the miniaturization and things. So people always, you'll start with the easiest leap saying, okay, let's make a light type of camera. And mm-hmm. then 10 years from now, I bet you will have your phone with multiple lenses. In fact, they're already phones well, out the iPhone there. iPhone 7 has two, right? right? So how yeah. about now four, five, six? Yeah. But you no, imagine I what I can do with this? Let's suppose... Somebody put a computational software in this multiple lens cameras that says, forget a plain 2D panorama. What if I were to just take that camera and do a panorama, capture it with multiple lenses, create a 3D panorama where I can put in my VR glasses and walk into the scene? That would be so freaking cool. You hit on a good point there because <laughs> when I start looking at these new technologies, I start thinking of the cross-pollination between all this cool stuff. Right. So you have these multiple lens cameras that can do all this computational photography and the processes are, you know, adhering to Moore's law and getting faster and faster. But then you start thinking of like, what about drones? And like you're saying, Jay, 360 degree photography, marrying all this stuff together. So now I can go fly through an area like with the new Mavic right. you put on the headset, right? You go fly through an area in 360 and look around. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it would be so freaking awesome. That's, yeah. yeah, that's out there. Here's, here's what I want to see, okay? Uh-oh. You know the menu system in your camera? Pick mm-hmm. a camera, any camera. Yeah. Now, let's think about that for a minute. Okay, I want you to do A, B, and C in that order. Go ahead, dig through your menu. How long is it going to take you to find that setting? Figure it out, right? Okay, these, the, the more complicated these systems get, the more features they have, the more cool things you can do, the bigger and uglier that menu system gets. And even right now, look, Jay and I are using Sony cameras right now, these beautiful mirrorless cameras. They're no, great. No. We're loving them. They're lightweight. They're smart. They can do all this stuff. I hate the menu systems. Oh, and you know yeah. what? I have oh, been yeah. doing this for years. I look at these menu systems and I'm like, you know what? This is ridiculous. Things are in places where they don't belong. It doesn't make sense over here. This should be over here. You know, it, it's. I always tell Jay, I'm like, you know who designed this? Engineers designed this. This was not designed by photographers. It was designed by engineers. <laughs> like, you know, but that's yep. the thing. That's what, I, honestly, I think they're going to have a huge challenge figuring out how to present an incredibly complicated system. I mean, like, look at this patent. It is insane, I know, right? I know, it's I know. crazy what they're trying to do. Now go ahead and take all the possible functionality of that camera and go ahead and try and hammer that down into a menu system that, you know, anybody can use. Because mm-hmm. my menu system, if you hand my menu system to that poor lady in the theater trying to take a picture of her kid, She's gonna start to cry. She's gonna hurl her ca- your camera at her yeah, kid on stage. Right. <laughs> right. right. So, so now, granted, a lot of this is gonna be automated. It's yeah. the camera is gonna start even more and more. It's already incredible what these cameras are doing automatically. You know, face finding features and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. I love it. Or, or taking a photo when people smile. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. come on. All right, here's can I can I make a prediction? I'm gonna yes. make a prediction. Do it. Um, okay. This is this is. I, I don't know. Who knows when? Maybe within the next five, ten years or so. But there's three things that I see that are missing from cameras. That clearly the technology is here to add these to cameras, and the need is there. So number one, uh, voice-activated digital assistant technology within the phone or within the camera, like in your phone. So you could say, 
You know what? Uh, landscape mode. Yeah. Yeah. Landscape mode. Panorama mode. Okay. To go into custom setting thirty. You know, whatever. And you can have every. You can have more than just these five custom buttons on your fu- on your camera. You could say, yeah, go into go into HDR mode seventy two, and then boom, the camera reconfigures for that. So that's the one voice activation or personal digital assistant like the Google Assistant or Siri or the Amazon thing. That kind of technology. Number one, to enable that, to enable that technology, um, you need uh, connectivity. So cameras need to have cellular modems in there as well. So much like that Kodak thing where you can shoot, we had, we kind of put our toe in the water with iFi and all that, but I want to, I want it inbuilt into the system at the DNA level that it's always connected to the cloud, no matter what. You're going to pay for it, but if it's always connected to the cloud, all kinds of things open up. I could shoot, I could shoot directly to your camera. I could shoot directly to a <laughs> server. You know, all kinds you can of do things. Like live presentations, live where you're sharing yeah. your photos as you go. I mean, it, streaming. It's a whole yeah, new you can. World. Yes, so that needs to be. I mean, yeah, that definitely needs to be in cellular. Needs to be in laptops too. So don't get me started on that. Oh, right. <laughs> um, but right the third get- thing, the third thing that that weaves all this together is they need robust app stores for yeah. that live on the camera. I know Sony has their little thing in there, yeah. but it's it's too little, it's, right? Yeah, it's not it's, enough. It's not really we need right. a robust, awesome app store for these cameras that we can go in and say, "Oh, look at this! A a landscape." preset pack developed by Jay and Verena Patel. I'm going to download that for my I next totally convention. I totally like. We'll, we'll right? take one. <laughs> yep. I agree. Yeah. 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 I, would you not buy a camera that had that on, like, all these features? I would yeah, totally buy Yeah, I think I that. would. Yeah. yeah. Once it's polished. But it's going to take time for for them to build any of that into it. Yeah. And then it's Which going to depressing. be clunky for a while. And It's know. depressing because I'll be long gone by the time this <laughs> I'll be worm food, and the kids today will be playing with my idea. It's not fair. It's true. No, I can see that kid right now. He's listening to your show. Well, right now to him. Yeah, anyway. He's listening to your show, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I have an idea. (laughs) I know what I'm going to do. Please go do that. Voice, I'm going to repeat it. For the entrepreneur that didn't hear it, voice control, digital assistance in cameras, Cellular connectivity in cameras and an app store uh, in cameras. That's what I want. Okay, go. (laughs) There is a cellular connectivity. You can just say, hey, I'm in Iceland. You look at GPS, you look at cellular connectivity and saying, okay, I'll pay you five bucks to tell you what places are there to shoot. And exactly. all of a sudden, all five photos shows up with GPS locations. Here, go shoot these. How about this? I'm in Iceland. You're not. You're sitting at home. I say, huh, I don't know what to do with my camera at this point, right? I'm, I'm lost. I'm confused. I need help. So I just open up my laptop or my camera, the back of my camera, and I say, uh, connect me to Frederick Van Johnson. I have a question. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, it you would, just and then the camera would say, I'm paying you to do that. I was going to say, the camera would say, uh, what is your payment method? Right, exactly. Put there your credit you card over here. Just, just take a photo of your credit card and send it to me. No, you don't have to do that because that should be built in too. I mean, it's like Apple Pay now. Like I tap oh, my right. phone and it's like, yep, you're paid. Oh yeah, yeah you'd have a fingerprint ID on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. It's all oh, there's so much them. stuff. So much stuff. I mean, you know, you can see, you can see how my brain works because all all this yeah. stuff sort of works together. Then you have these drones 
that are getting cooler and smaller and longer battery life, and you start overlaying all these things into those. I saw this. Uh, we're totally digressing. I knew this was going to happen. You have to deliver your pizza in the middle of your. <laughs> no, there was this. They did this test. I, and, uh, Twip listeners, if you re, if you can remind me, uh, that'd be great. But they did this test where, you know, drones are are just wireless, right? Yeah. So when you fly it, they're just using Wi-Fi. But they did this test where they were flying a drone on in New York from California sending the signals through, you know, through cellular yeah. and then having a Wi-Fi repeater on the other end. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, okay. you, yes. sit, you know, and you put on your VR helmet and you're like, oh, hey, I want to go fly around the Statue of Liberty. And you go fly around the Statue That's of Liberty. So cool. And somebody can charge them for it, too. Saying for two bucks, you don't even have to leave your living room to fly around the exactly. Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Yep. So here's my question, you guys, both of you. This is a question for both of you. Uh-oh. I'm taking over the show for a minute here, Fred. It's all yours. <laughs> Have we exposed ourselves as total tech geeks? Um, <laughs> totally, definitely. It's, it's, I'm not, you're not going to get me with that. <laughs> you're not, I'm not taking that bait. I am not taking that <laughs> Yes, we are total tech geeks. Yes. And we have exposed ourselves. <laughs> See? Here he goes Twist my words. He's just that kind of guy. So you need to go into politics because some politicians would say, yeah, you're twisting my words. That's not what I said. I'm going to charge $2 million to be the guy who spins everybody's words. That's going to be my job from now on. Oh, that is is depressing. Why does new hobby? (laughs) <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. That's not a hobby. I'm, I'm getting paid I for mean, it. I mean, new work. New work. New line of work. I'm quitting my go. day job. It could be a hobby like Apple TV was a hobby for Apple, right? That's true. <laughs> right. Billion dollar hobby. All right, guys, let's, let's jump into this next segment. This is listener Q&A. So I don't have any questions in the notes right now. I just typed in a quick thing in there. We, are, we just kicked off our Patreon crowd donation patron page, and that's where our questions are going to start coming from. We, we just kicked it off last week, so there's no questions in here now. So I am creating a question to put in here to pose to you guys. Okay. Clip listeners, if you want to submit questions, go to, uh, go to our Patreon page and support TWIP. And that's where we'll look for questions first, and then we'll go on to social media. So follow us on social, and that's, that's kind of the order of operations for us picking the listener questions. So my question to you both, since you are such photographic experts, so the speed of light, the speed of light as, as it relates to photography, or as it, I'm sorry, as it relates to exposure... Can you explain, and Verena Patel, I'm going to throw it at you first, because I know you you are the science geek of the family. Can I explain so, the speed of light? <laughs> no. Can you explain why, if the speed of light is constant at 386,000 miles per second, right? Yeah. So if the speed of light is constant, why, how can you control it with a mechanical shutter on your camera if it's constant, <laughs> right? Uh... <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Uh, no Googling, no Googling. I'm not Googling. I can see my hands here. Uh, uh-huh. Hey Siri. How- oh my gosh. <laughs> Phones around the world have lit up because of you. <laughs> You're right. Oh my God. Yeah, it's probably true. No, I I, uh, I do not know. That is uh, something I've not thought about. Wow. Yeah, right. no, it's curious. These are the things that go on in my mind because it's like, because it's like you know the speed of light is constant. The, when I was first learning about photography, this is what geeked me out about photography was the the property of light that 
I don't know if we 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 understand it to this day, but the speed of light is always constant, no matter what, at 386 miles per second. So, in other words, if you get on a motorcycle and you ride the motorcycle at 100 miles an hour and you flick on the front light, you would think that that light coming out is the speed of light plus 100 miles an hour. No, it's no, always it's speed always of light. no, 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 no. Because, no matter. Yeah. It's the only thing that it's the only thing that behaves like that. You so, know, so, light is the only thing. So, so I'll demystify you. Please, oh, it's, okay. please, yeah. please. It's, uh, okay. it's, it's pretty simple. Um, it's simple. Think about speed of light is light is broken up into little photons. Photons, right? yep. So sensor does not measure speed of light. What sensors does is measures number of photons falling on it. Yeah. So as soon as you open the shutter... You can see one photon, two photon, three photon, five photon coming in. And depending upon the time that you keep the shutter open, it will collect those photons. So it's like a scoop. It's, it's like a scoop. A scoop it's, like a, it's like a bucket. So just think about it as a bucket. So the so, light is constantly bombarding your camera, bam, right. bam, bam, from every direction. At the same uh, speed. You open the little window, you let the little bam, bam, bams come in, <laughs> and then you close the window and you got the ones you caught. Yep. Yeah. That is yeah. that is what you're doing. You're actually just catching the number of photons. <laughs> or if you want to have a wave property, you're trying to have a wavelet of light in for a number of times. So, yeah, because light acts as. I'm I'm even more confused now than I was before I asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll have to go back to the first grade, Fred. Okay, no, no, no. Here, here's here's a practical example. Here's a practical example, which is the one that kind of freaks me out. So you're you set the exposure, and Jay, I want you, I'm going to direct this at you since you're the scientist. Um, uh, so you've got you you have you let's say you have a person and you put them at you're at Yosemite here in California right you put a person on top of El Capitan mountain there you determine the exposure you got a person that's standing about five feet away from them so you you determine the exposure you got that but you if as long as that exposure is correct let's say it's a sixtieth of a second at f five six on i at iso four hundred right that's the exposure that's going to make a perfect exposure if you go a mile away let's say it's dark you go a mile away aim your camera uh-huh. at that scene uh-huh. and, and set your set yeah zoom in set your settings to a sixtieth of a second f five six iso four hundred it's going to create a perfect exposure yeah. It, regardless of the subject to camera distance because of the speed of light, Correct. that doesn't work with my brain. <laughs> so because of the inverse square law, you would think that the light would fall off between the subject and the camera, but it doesn't because it falls off from this light source to the subject. Am I, am I explaining that right? So I think there are two things. There is a speed of light, and think about it as in terms of wave. If you think about okay. it, light as a wave instead of a photon, maybe that'll help you understand. Wave okay. has an amplitude. How tall it is. Right, yeah. how tall it is. Yeah. yeah. So what happens with speed of light is, um, let's suppose that you can correlate speed of light with uh, how fast the wave travels, right? And the amplitude mm-hmm. is how much power it has. And incidentally, your white balance actually also works that way. And I'll explain in a little bit is um, what happens is the amplitude of the light, no matter where you go, if it is lit by the same source, should 
be the same. Yeah. Now, if it is lit by an artificial source, um, it will probably decrease. Now, in a practical aspect of it, let's say you went a mile away. What will happen to the light in a practical aspect is that amplitude will be absorbed by all the molecules of the air. Right, because it, it's not empty. It's not yeah. empty. Now, if you were to do the same experiment on moon, where it is empty and there is near vacuum, then the photos will come out. But the fall perfect. off, I mean, considering like in the Yosemite example, yeah, if there's like fog layer right. and dust or whatever, right. yeah, but if, considering, assuming a clear night, then you're going to get it. This is, this Even is what if got it is me. clear night, remember, there's nothing, it's not vacuum on Earth. Yes, yeah, true. It's always atmosphere. There's always yeah. atmosphere. So if you were to say, let's start this experiment on moon where it is almost near vacuum, mm -hmm. then your exposure will match up. So, okay, so let's take it to outer space now. <laughs> so, so we're on the moon. You guys set up, you're on the moon. We have our spacesuits on. You set up a portrait session on the moon, Yep. right? You got it all set. You're in the, the sea of tranquility. You got everything going on. It's lit. You got the exposure set. I go off with a giant, massive Hubble-type telescope, and I set up on Europa, right? I aim my telescope back at Earth's moon, and I see you guys full frame. What do I set my exposure at? It should be the same it exposure. It should be the same. Even though yeah. it's so, thousands and yeah. thousands so here, and thousands of miles what away. I think, I think Fred's trying to say. Like, okay, if I set up a flash... Yes. If I fire my flash really close to my face, it's going to be really bright. If I pull my flash further back, that light on my face is going to be less. And if I pull my flash further back still, the, the light on my face is going to be even less, right? Because yep. that's Inverse. fall off. Inverse right? square so law. Yep. Why, what he's asking is why is it that that effect doesn't seem to carry over to his exposures from... That's easy. Yeah, because, because of light, light to subject distance. Why doesn't light or light source to subject distance, in Verena's example, the flash mm -hmm. to her face, why doesn't that correlate to... Why can I take that exposure mm -hmm. and go to another moon and aim it back at Verena and use the exact same exposure settings and get a proper exposure? There, there right, is so a flash. I feel, like, Jay, I feel like you're answering... You know, like, I understand what you're trying to say. What I don't get is... I'll, I'll explain. What I just explained. Mm -hmm. So the flash fall-off occurs because the flash is a point source and a divergent light um, it's spreading emission. Out. It is spreading out. out. Yeah. Right. So that's... So, the, so whenever the point source is spread out, that is what happens. When you talk about natural light, it's a parallel source. That means it is coming from a long time back or from the sun, and it is essentially mm -hmm. parallel, even though it is slightly divergent, but we are small enough where it can be considered parallel. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing natural light on moon, and then light is from the sun, and you go over to Europa, you'll get the same exposure because there is no loss of light. Mm -hmm. yeah. because, on, it's, because all that you're capturing in your camera is the light that's coming directly towards you anyway. Correct. And this is why Doesn't Hubble Telescope works, where Hubble Telescope can point something where um, the only thing is that you'll whatever you do when we're smiling, if you're not doing it at the right time, there'll be a time lag between Europa and Moon. That's right. So yeah, that's you'll right. have to... Uh, that's the other thing. You hit that, you hit that right <laughs> on the head, man. When I was a kid, that was the most depressing thing to me, because I was a science geek, clearly. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> astrophysics and astronomy in particular. And the... Uh, 
when when I learned that you know about light and the speed of light and how the universe came to be and all this stuff, um, the idea or the understanding that it takes light trillions, billions, whatever amount of time to get from right. its source to here. And how far away even yeah. our closest yeah. closest galaxy Andromeda is. Yeah. You know, it was depressing because I was like, hey, when I grow up, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna get in a spaceship, I'm gonna go visit all these different star systems. You ain't going nowhere, I was, man. I was just <laughs> like you. I wanted to jump on and design one to go. But let me ask you, let me ask your viewers a question. Do you guys I'll, I'll ask a question this time since you guys are tech geeks. <laughs> Now, see, yes. now Jay's taking over the show. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have the con, number one. White balance. Can you explain in terms of light what is going on with different white balances? With well, there different... you go. Yeah. See, now it's you put on the spot, Fred. How does it feel? Oh, great. <laughs> I love this stuff. I could talk about this all night. Are you kidding me? I know me? you could. I know it. <laughs> okay, so what is happening with white balance? Yes. Um, Physically, okay, what cause... is happening to the light and the white balance? What is happening to the light in the camera or? No, I mean, just like, let's say golden hours. Shoot yes. Golden hours. Yeah, you, can, you can actually take the camera out of it, right? Yeah, you can let's look out the window off. and see uh, just through your own Well, light, right. light is a spectrum. Light is a spectrum of colors. Right. If you break it down with a prism, you break down and see the different wavelengths that make up light. White light, which is rare, right? Which is the equal combination of all of the wavelengths of light together that makes white light so, right so if, you, if those are imbalanced if you have an imbalance in those then you get different colors of light which is we would call that imbalance conversely black is the absence of light right right so, so, so you know so, okay jay can i push your question just a tiny bit further can yeah. i play can i play this game too um, do you want uh, me to explain what, so, what the physical... We're playing Stump the Frederick. Well, no, I don't want you to explain it yet. <laughs> All right, I don't ahead. want you to explain it yet. That's, that's the point here. So, okay, Frederick. Once yeah, upon a I'm time, here. in real life, yes. I'm walking along the beach at Yokosarlan in Iceland. Yes. There's black sand, there are white rocks. Okay, yes. I'm looking down at the rocks. Be- and... Before you go there, I know where you're going, but okay, let, me explain you know the, going. let me explain the light thing. So, so okay. Fred, if you were to consider white light, um, the, the way color balance occurs is, let's say you consider white light made up of just three primary colors, red, green, and blue, right? Mm-hmm. If your power or your amp, so you, each, each white light, you can consider white light as three different waves, red wave, green wave, and blue wave. Yeah. If the power of blue wave means the amplification of blue wave is higher than the green and red wave, mm-hmm. Then you get blue color you get a blue balance. Shift. Yeah. If it yep. is red uh, and green, you end up having a warm color tone. So, so what happens in the evening is the amplification. The red red channel is amplified. It means if you take the look at the white light and look at the spectrum of white light, you will see a peak near the reds mm-hmm. and yellows. Yeah. So yeah. that is what actual white balance. Yes, but now, considering you know that, this Verena's question is even more fascinating for your viewers. Uh-oh. Okay. I'm afraid. So All right, here's you know, the <laughs> stuff I love, okay? This is, there's, this is where I, I take the, the, the stuff that you guys are talking about, which I absolutely love, and push it into the stuff that I really, really super love. But, <laughs> all right, so I'm walking on the beach, black sand, white rocks. I'm looking down at the rocks, got my camera bag on, we're leaving. The sun is rising over my right shoulder. And uh, all of a sudden, 
as I'm walking, I sort of stop because this strange thing is happening and, and I'm getting this weird 3D effect, okay? I'm getting like this weird, like the, the rocks are kind of popping up out of the ground and I stop and I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, maybe I should have eaten breakfast before I came out here. Like, what's going on? So I stop for a minute and I'm thinking about it, trying to figure out what's going on. And I figure it out and I grab Jay and I stop him and I turn him and make him look down at the ground. And I say, now just stare at that for a minute. Wait for it. Wait for it. And all of a sudden he goes, oh my gosh, it's 3D. What happened? I have no idea what happened. I don't know. Okay, so here's what happened. This is so cool. Actually, this is an experiment you can do and your viewers can do too. Yeah, you you guys can do this. Yeah, absolutely. It helps if you have something black and white to look at, which is why this particular beach... Or, or you can look at your hands, so too. Obvious. I mean, you can... But yeah, you can do it with your hand, you can do it yeah. with that, whatever. As I was walking, the sun was rising over my right shoulder. This is key. Mm-hmm. Okay? It was shining directly on the right side of my face, but my nose was blocking the light. So I had a shadow over my left eye, okay? My right eye was in sunlight. My left eye was in shadow. So what I was looking at, basically... My brain was processing neutral differently for each eye and trying to resolve that. And it's just like wearing those like red and green glasses. Yeah, the 3D glasses. glasses, Right, right. That's exactly what was happening. One eye was trying to process color balance based on golden light. And the other eye was trying to process color based on this you know, sort of bluish uh, shade. That's so right? cool. That it is was so cool. So, cool. <laughs> so here's an experiment for your viewers. Yeah, why is it so difficult to get color balance right, even with the superb or the most incredible technology that you guys have, or we will ever come out with, huh? It's impossible because we all have different rods and cones in our eyes. Yes. And, you and, know, and, it's, but there's, there's another key, is our eyes adapt mm-hmm. based on the color balance that you see. So your eye, your brain adapts. Your, your, your eyes brain, do the same thing. Yeah, your brain is is, is trying to. We, is this where we explain the bathroom story? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> your brain brain adapts. Uh, this is a family show, Jay. Yeah, it is a family show. I, I totally agree. It's it's Verena's the troublemaker here. This is great. You know, when when you're a photographer and you start noticing light casts and and the you know the subtle changes in light. You start to notice things like this, and and then you use them to teach. You know, yeah, and it's great. Yeah. We, so then, we uh, this use is, these examples. Yeah. So this is a teaching bathroom story. Right. So, it's a teaching bathroom story. <laughs> so the story was we went to um, Hawasu Falls. That people who have been to landscape photographers know what Hawasu Falls is. And I'll, I'll send you the image to put in your in yep. your podcast uh, notes. And um, we were in this uh, porta potties that were there at the campground, and they had a green roof on it. Really weird looking green roof. Yeah, they were so, green and like a li- light was kind of coming, coming through. through. It's translucent not green enough roof. to make it bright. Just, you know, yeah, it was green. So we, we go in there, we do our business and we come out and the entire world looks magenta. Everything looks magenta. The leaves, the, 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 our skin tone, everything looks magenta. And what was happening was in the midday, when you use the porta potty, uh, you were in there, and a few minutes of spending time in there 
your brain's uh, magenta sensitivity was going up incredibly because all the light was coming because in your was green. Right? It's, it's taking the green light that's coming in through the roof and, and saying to neutralize that's it. neutral, right? When you yeah. first walk in, you say, geez, everything's green in here, but pretty soon that goes away. It just looks normal. And then when you come out, your brain's like, wait, why is the world red? Yeah, you know, why is, it, cool. why is it magenta? So, so right? do this experiment. All the listeners to the TWIP, I'll give you a simple experiment to do. In the evening when the sun is setting, go in and place yourself so the sun is falling on one of your eyes and your bridge of your nose blocks the sun from going into another eye. And stand there for two minutes. Just And if that doesn't work, you can put your hand there, you know, use whatever yeah. you have to to block the light so that it's yeah. only hitting one side of your right. face. And then look on the put your hands in front of you, just like this, and close one eye and look at the color of your hands. And then close the other eye, that eye, and then open the other eye. And look at the colors. The eye that is in the sun will create a blue cast. Mental. And the eye See, that is in the sun. exactly what was happening to me on that beach. As I closed one eye, it was blue. As I closed the other eye, it was yellow, blue, yellow, blue, yellow. And I was like, what is happening? You know, of course, you figured it out pretty quick, but still... That was really cool. <laughs> that is cool. See that, and that, like all of this, like the discussion about light and the speed of light and the color of light and the properties of light. I think this is illustrative of how important it is to get to that level, not to get to it like it's some you know, unattainable thing, but to be excited as a photographer. Photographer means recorder of light. Right. To understand that thing that you are recording, so that you can figure out how to break and stretch the rules and do cool things. Yep, like understanding, right. like what Jay was talking about, understanding that subject to light distance versus, you know, being further away and keeping the exposure the same, that allows you to do different things. Like once I understood that, when I was a military photographer, once I understood that, that allowed me to do uh, aircraft to aircraft sh shots where you have yeah. two helicopters flying at night and you put some guy with a strobe in the other one and say, yeah, you got to set. Yeah. OK, what is it? And, you know, and you set your camera to the right exposure and you can take shots of the other helicopter inside it and have the inside lit up properly yep. because you're manipulating physics yes. or not even manipulating. You're just using physics, right. you know, at that point. So I think right. it's important. And then to understand, you know, you understand the science, you understand the physics of it. But what I was saying before is like, then I, I love that part of it. But then what I really love is like the brain part of it, how we really don't get what's going on in our brains and our yeah. eyes and our optic nerve and all that stuff. You know, it'll, what's going to come out? Is it going to be blue or yellow or magenta or green? Who knows? You know, it, it's your brain's making all these decisions on top of. The science that's, I mean, the, the uh, physics that's happening out there with the light anyway. So yep. science yep. is cool. Yep. <laughs> science is cool. I mean, that, I think, yeah, that's why <laughs> photography is cool because it's, it's, especially like if you're taking pictures of people because it becomes science or, you know, physics. Then mm -hmm. it, it's also technology right. with the gear that you're using. Right. Art. It's art. Yep, right? right, and it's also psychology yep. because yes. if you're shooting models or people, then you have to learn how to put them at ease and pose them and all that stuff. Yep. So it's all those things coming together in one profession, which is photography, which is yeah. why we all we do it and we love it. Yeah, right. 
Totally. All right, guys. Let's. Uh, so, Twip listeners, if you'd like us to drone on about your question, then <laughs> <laughs> seriously, if you have a question you'd like us to answer in the show, just hit us up on social media. Um, but if you like us to, if you'd like to increase your chances of us asking, answering your question, then get us on Patreon, and uh, that's how we're gonna. Hopefully, if you were watching from the beginning, that's how we're gonna turn on this whole network thing is through support from viewers like you. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about our picks of the week. Coming soon to the Twip Network, a brand new show called Pocket Shooters. We believe this is an extremely important show, and the time has come for mobile phone photography to be taken seriously. The capabilities in some of these late model iPhone and Android devices is nothing short of amazing, and the image quality is getting close to what previously was only achievable using professional cameras. This show will explore the vast universe of tools, software, and techniques that you can employ to begin creating pro-level mobile phone shots today. So, head over to twip.pro slash pocket shooters and get in on our early announcement list and be one of the first people to check out this brand new show on the Twip Network. Once again, that's twip.pro slash pocket shooters. All right, folks, it is time for the Picks of the Week segment. This is the segment where our guests, Jay and Verena Patel, Verena and Jay Patel, get to... Thank you. Get to share with you something that they would like you to know, whether it be a product, a technique, a book, a workshop, anything that is, as long as it's photography related. Verena Patel, I'm going to let you go first. What's your pick of the week? All right. I I want to share the work of one of our awesome visual wilderness photographers. Because yes, how can I resist? I'm going to point you guys to Patricia Davidson. Her work is gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous landscapes. She she has this amazing, you know, sense of, of light, which is what we were just talking about. She is paying attention to light all the time. It's, you know, the colors, the reflections, the, the light in her photos is just breathtaking. So it's really fun to look at. And, you know, she's smart and she's a great writer and a, and a instructor and all that, too. And she has it all. So. Love it. Patricia Davidson. What's her what's a URL that people can go check her stuff out at? PatriciaDavidsonPhotography.com. How did I know it was gonna be that? <laughs> yeah. Not too not too difficult there. Patricia Davidson Photography.com. Cool. Got it. <laughs> Perfect. All right, we'll check her out. And Jay Patel, what is your pick of the week? So I'm gonna build on this, but rather than giving you a pick of the week, I wanted to point out the fantastic women photographers that we have on Visual Wilderness. Mm-hmm. And there are about six, eight of them. I don't remember the exact names, but I'll actually send you a list. Yes, and please do. Yeah, send me that. In an email. But I wanted to point out that landscape photography as a business is underrepresented. Um, I mean, women photographers are underrepresented in across the board. And writing this article about women photography, I came to realize just how much it's it's kind of sad that the talent is not being showcased by even the major companies. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to take this time on TWIP uh, to point out highly talented female photographers that we have. And rather than list all the names over here, I am going to say go visit the about.com page on Visual Wilderness and you'll find them. But instead, I'm going to send you a list of all the women photographers that are there on Visual Wilderness and you can put them on. 
Perfect. Yeah, send me that as soon as you can, and we'll uh, we'll put those in the I'll blog post. I'll do for this that week's show. Uh, as soon as we hang up over here. Awesome. Good. Thank you, both of you guys. And my my pick is uh, it is kind of re- photography related. It kind of goes to what we were talking about before about the whole streaming adventure that I'm <laughs> embarking on. So there's two apps that I've been uh, testing and playing with. First one it's called Wirecast. That that's that switching app. It's Mac and Windows. It allows oh, yeah. you to, it allows you to like set up shots and switch between them and then pump all the the produced stream out to Facebook or Google or you know YouTube or Twitch or Daily Motion whatever you want to do you can stream it and have essentially a television program streamed out from your computer so you can do that um, the second one is there's actually three so there's Wirecast Go which is their which is their uh, their iOS app I'm not sure if there's an Android app but it's an iOS app that allows you to do similar things but from your phone where you can push a little thing on the screen, it'll put up your lower third with your name in it and have that fade out, have your logo in the lower right corner during the whole broadcast, all those kind of things <laughs> nice. from your phone, and it looks professional. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how cool it looks. So that's Wirecast Go. But then there's another one called Wirecast Cam, which is also cool. So Wirecast Cam app that installs on your phone, I think it's iOS and Android, maybe, maybe, maybe just iOS, but what it does is very simple. It turns your phone or your iOS device into another camera, so, and it works in tandem with Wirecast. So you run Wirecast on your machine and you're switching and all that. One of the sources that you can switch to is, is your camera. phone. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, you can pick app. it up and go yeah. walk around or have someone walking <laughs> around, and you can just say, yeah, I want to go to the roving camera. You hit that thing, and boom, you get whatever the iPhone sees, and that's right. being streamed out to the world, and you can come back, and you know, and you can have multiple of those running. So you, you could say you're at a trade show or something. You could have five people with iPhones running around a trade show floor, and you could switch between them you know, right. all while you're streaming live. I just want yeah. to say, I want to do a live trip broadcast from PPE with five of these things from five different booths. Yeah, well, you just exposed... I'll be in, like, Havasu Falls or something. No, you go... You, Jay, you just exposed the, the, the issue. So the issue is always bandwidth. So you can build all this beautiful stuff. But you have to have bandwidth to be able to do all these streams and, and really strong Wi-Fi in order to have the signals coming back to you and all that. I've done some tests here. It works fine, but it's just me at home, you know, testing this right. in a congested I can environment. I you, I'm not going to be able to be piped in from Havasu Falls. Yeah, that's not, <laughs> not yet. It might work. It might work. No. Uh, but it's cool. I mean, that's, it's, just, it's just an illustration of how where things have come, right? You can do yeah. that kind of stuff now, and it's only 2016, Yep. right? You can do this kind of stuff right now from your desktop, and it just looks Hey, it's fantastic. exciting times we live in. Awesome. It is yep. exciting times. Love it. It's a good time to be a geek. Yeah, it is. <laughs> if we can just get past these elections, oh. get that out of the way, then we can get back to being geeks and enjoying ourselves. I know it. I know it. We were just I having fun, it. sweetheart. I know. I know. I'm sorry. You you. I'm sorry. Total killjoy. You to do your ice bucket challenge on our, on our fun over here. Just edit it out. It's all right. <laughs> no, but you're right. Yeah. Hey, it'll, it'll all be over very soon. Mm-hmm. In more ways than one. (laughs) 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 All right, guys. Well, we're at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Let's close it up. Verena, what's... uh, I think we talked about it at the beginning, but where where can people find you and keep up with what you're working on? 
They can find me at photographybyvarina.com and visualwilderness.com. And uh, that's the easiest thing. Just go to visualwilderness.com. You'll find me. You'll find Jay. You'll find our entire group of contributors who are amazing um, men and women alike. uh, A great, diverse collection of people who are really, really good. Uh, I, I think what Jay and I have decided we're really good at is finding people who are really good. Nice. <laughs> so we're, we're really proud of that. We feel like we have a really neat team. Yes. And so, yeah, visualwilderness.com. Got it. Awesome. And Jay, what about you? Where can people go look at some of your work? And, Same thing. And if they want to ask you questions to have you elaborate on <laughs> that whole speed of light thing, where should they go? They can uh, go to visualwilderness.com. Dot com and uh, sign up to our newsletter and uh, they can ask a question uh, there. Maybe we'll put something like this in a newsletter as to what is a white balance. There you go. There you go. And, and uh, why make a can you video. take a picture? Why can you make a portrait with the Hubble telescope from Europa of subjects that are on Correct. the moon and have a good exposure? Yep. Yes. That's right. And the flash doesn't quite <laughs> Assuming reach you that. can get there. <laughs> yeah, assuming, well, hey, you know, details. Right. That's, where you gotta go. that's where Elon Musk comes in, you know? Yeah, you that's gotta, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Can't yeah. handle everything. If I'm doing Don't the art. who you know. <laughs> yeah. You can handle the transportation. I'm just doing the artwork. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so thanks a ton for coming on. It's been an awesome show. I knew it was going to be great. It's always a pleasure having you guys on. It was really fun. Thanks. So great to thanks hang out with you. Us. It always is. You're welcome. All right, folks. That brings us up to the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Remember, you can help grow TWIP and expand us by becoming a Patreon. Every donation helps. Just head over to twip.pro slash donate to get access to patron-only TWIP resources and my undying gratitude. That's TWIP dot pro slash donate and of course head over to thisweekinphoto.com to check out all of our other shows on various topics related to photography as well as the twip school and now it's time to take that lens cap off This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn.